You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. If you haven't already, make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Rosvogel Report. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple. That definitely helps out in terms of rankings. Now, before we get into the Saints-Vikings, well, not recap, excuse me, preview, um, and it should be a fun one, obviously, the rivalry between the Saints and the Vikings has intensified over the last couple of years with all the playoffs. Uh, A lot of heartbreak for us Saints fans, and we'll get to that and talk about that in a little bit. Um, Some cool news to announce, non-Saints related, but also kind of Saints related in a weird way, but um, you guys probably saw it on Twitter already, but Nader announced it. Um, Nader and I are going to do sports overtime starting january 20th it's going to be every week going to try and do interviews for you guys saints pelicans nba nfl um but really a strong focus on saints obviously um nader's been doing sports overtime with brian b enemy for a while brian is stepping aside to pursue other endeavors nader hit me up said hey you want to join uh obviously was honored to do so so it's going to be fun stuff we have the logo out we have a little bit of announcement that you can check out on twitter whether it's my twitter or, or nader's uh and you could see it there so it should be Really fun to talk Saints with him. And I think it'll be a nice little uh, a blend in terms of having different personalities talking about your favorite subject, the New Orleans Saints. So let's get into it. Let's talk about this team. The last two weeks for the Saints has been, uh, I, I want to say, somewhat rough. Uh, obviously, the Eagles game was really rough for everyone uh, because you lose a game to a team that only has four wins and it hurts in terms of seeding. It hurts in terms of standings, whatever uh, you might want to call it. And the Saints still haven't clinched the NFC South, which is probably the most frustrating thing out of everything, Um, but then you move over to the Chiefs game, and although they lose, I was one of those people when I come out of the Chiefs game and I rewatched it a second time and I look at everything, I say, hey, look, you lose. And there there are no moral victories in the NFL. That that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There, There are no moral victories. But you come away from that game not super down on this team because if I tell you Michael Thomas isn't going to play and Drew Brees is coming off 11 fractured ribs and the offense is missing Deontay Harris and Andrews Peak gets hurt and Marcus Williams gets hurt and Trey uh, Hendrickson gets hurt and the offense is basically running through, uh, you know, Lil Jordan Humphrey and Jawan Johnson and basically a bunch of undrafted uh, receivers um, that they basically pulled off the street, you'd be like, all right, against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, you're going to lose by a ton and the Saints lost by three. And remember, Drew Brees had the worst start to a first quarter he's ever had in his career, and they lose by three. Um, Now, obviously, a lot has to be said about the defense, which I will address in a little bit, because I think this defense is still playing outstanding football. But even though the Saints lost two straight games, if the Saints turn in a similar performance last week, this Friday on Christmas Day against the Minnesota Vikings, they will win. It is that simple. The Saints... Granted, they deserve to lose when your offense plays that bad. They probably would have beat 90% of the teams in the NFL. It just so happened the team they played had a quarterback that even when you're playing great defense, he will find a way to make you pay. And I talked about that um, in my recap of Saints Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes made some exceptional throws that no one else is making other than Patrick Mahomes. So that was definitely something uh, that I wanted to address before we completely move over to Saints Vikings. Because a lot of people hit me up on Twitter the last couple days and like, man, Chris... This is no longer a Super Bowl team, or we got to be realists here. They're not going to win anything. And I get it. Like, I think everyone is scared and petrified about the playoffs when it comes around because of the Saints' recent history. Like, it's not good. So, when that comes around, we're all going to be shaking and triggered and nervous about anything. Um, but you have to always take a step back, take a deep breath, 
and look at the body of work, and I think the Saints' body of work is still pretty good. And let's say they win these final two games of the season. They go 12-4. and four, You really can't complain. After all the injuries they've had this year, you really cannot complain. 12-4 and four is a really good year. Now, you have to win in January, but 12-4, and four, you can't really complain about what happened in the regular season. You'd be very lucky to win three-fourths of your games. Now, something interesting, I think everyone's talking about this, not just Saints fans and analysts and podcasters and writers. National media is talking about this. This is a big, uh, really big discussion. Did Drew Brees get rushed out of the gate, or did they bring him back a week too soon, or is he just not the best option for them altogether? Uh, believe it or not, these are actual conversations people are happening, having, and I will, it's you know, basically address each and every question about it. So let's start off with the first one. Did the Saints rush Drew Brees? That was the question, and I watched the, I watched every throw from Brees over again through the coaches' film. I didn't put up a film study. I probably should, and maybe I will um, in a couple of days for you guys if you want that. But Drew Brees, looking the first quarter, he was rusty, indecisive, just not great overall decisions. It looked like a guy who missed four games because of broken ribs. And then as the game went on, and the numbers probably won't show it. I mean, I know he did have 200-plus yards and three touchdowns. I get that. But the numbers in terms of efficiency and completion percentage, they don't show it. But a lot of it was, one, miscommunication, which makes sense. He missed four weeks. And he's also playing with guys that he doesn't play with. I mean, he doesn't play with Lil Jordan Humphrey. He doesn't play with Tommy Lee Lewis. He doesn't play with Juwan Johnson. Uh, But he had to on Sunday against the Chiefs. Then you look at the timing between the two guys is off. It's not just miscommunication. It's Drew has a certain standard because obviously it's Drew frickin' Breeze. There was a couple of throws, and there's a couple uh, in particular to Juwan Johnson where if it's a Michael Thomas or an Emmanuel Sanders, they're going to catch that because they know where Drew's going to throw it so they know the proper adjustment to make on the ball. Juwan Johnson, an undrafted rookie, is not going to know or understand Drew's throwing you open. Like, he is throwing you open. You don't think there's a lot of space. He'll find that window. Um, but it just didn't happen. And this was something that's really important to address because a lot of people said, man, he looked terrible. Um, Deuce Windham put this up. Obviously, I'm assuming you guys are going to follow Deuce. He's one of the, the top guys out there for X's and O's. He put out the uh, separation in terms of yards that each wide receiver got on Sunday against the Chiefs. Now, the league average for separation is 2.86 yards. That's the league average, okay? So the bare minimum you want to do here is 2.86. Here's how the Saints played out. Jawan Johnson got .93 yards of separation, so he didn't even get a yard of separation. Jared Cook had 1.2 yards of separation. Traquan Smith had 2.3 yards of separation. Emmanuel Sanders had 2.7 yards of separation. And Lil Jordan Humphrey had 2.8 yards of separation. So what does that tell you? No one was open in this game against the Chiefs. Um, So is it an easy thing to say that Drew didn't look ready um, and he looked rusty? Absolutely. I think that's the laziest take you can have on this situation, though. Um, And what always cracks me up is people... If the Saints won this this game against the Chiefs, people would have said, that's why you bring back Drew, and look what he did. Um, and heck, if they actually force a three and out on the Chiefs, who knows? Maybe the Saints go down there and win. I mean, that's a, a hypothetical that we don't have the answer to because we didn't see it play out before our eyes. But because they lose, and because you look bad in the first quarter, the easy take to come in on Monday when you're talking football with your boys is like, hey, look, hey, Drew Brees is washed up, man. Or, hey, Drew Brees, he, he didn't look good. They should have played Taysom Hill. It's nonsense because there are two weeks left until the playoffs start, and what you have to do is basically rev Drew Brees up and get him ready for the playoffs. And the best way you could do that is by in-game reps, which is what he got on Sunday. And you're hoping that leads to a Drew who is in rhythm, has good timing with his receivers on Friday against the Minnesota Vikings. And only time will tell. Friday's game will tell us if that's the case. Um, But this idea that Drew was just god-awful on Sunday is just not true because, one— 
You have to take into consideration the injuries. You have to take into consideration the yards of separation. That's the big one for me. If the yards per, uh, uh, of separation, excuse me, were there, and Drew's not hitting his guys, we got to have a, uh, a discussion here because that's a problem. But when each receiver, literally every receiver that he has, didn't even hit the league average for yards of separation, we have an issue. When Jawan Johnson's defender is .9 yards away from him every play, we have an issue because even the great Drew Brees might not throw the ball into that window. Now, he still did it sometimes. You saw a little Jordan Humphreys touchdown um, and a couple of plays where Drew had some great throws uh, late in the game because it took Drew a lot of time to get going, and, and that was as expected. Um, but again, you could only do so much. He's 41. He's, now, he's no longer at that age where you can give him a bunch of misfit toys and he's going to make it work. He, he's 41. He's going to be 42 in January. It doesn't work that way anymore. Uh, and speaking of misfit toys, the, the Saints brought back Jake Lampman. So everyone's saying, bring back Kenny Stills, bring back Kenny Stills. The Saints say, I will bring back Jake Lampman instead. Uh, and Twitter was hot about it. I actually don't blame them. I usually get on Saints Twitter's case and I'm like, ah, we complain too much. And I, I say we because I'm part of Saints Twitter and I do complain a lot on the app. But this is one of those times where fans are right. Trey Quan Smith's hurt. Deontay Harris is hurt. Marquez Callaway, we don't know if he's going to play. I'm going to talk about him in just a second. Um, Michael Thomas is on IR. So it's Emmanuel Sanders, Juwan Johnson, Tommy Lee Lewis, and Lil Jordan Humphrey. And Kenny Stills knows the system. He knows Drew Brees. And frankly, he is definitely better than Jake Lampman. And yet, who do the Saints bring back? It's not Stills. So there's some frustration there. But uh, I wanted to touch that Drew Brees subject a little bit because you have to find the delicate balance between saying, yes, he was rusty, and yes, the receivers did him no favors. That's where finding the balance is, um, and I think that's important. So let's talk about Marquez Callaway here uh, on the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to talk about Callaway because he was designated to return to practice. That does not mean he's going to play on Friday, but it does leave the window open for him to play on Friday. It's kind of like the Drew Brees situation last week. Open up the window for him to practice, and then you can decide if you're taking them on off IR. Reading the Sean Payton words of, you know, hopefully he plays – I think Sean wants him out there. I think he will be out there. Um, and the reason I say that, look, Traquan's not playing. He, he didn't practice the last two days. And I'll talk about the injury report in a second. But he didn't, he didn't practice the last two days, so I'm assuming he's not going to play. Michael Thomas is not playing, obviously. Deontay Harris is not playing, obviously. You better hope Callaway plays or we're back to the same receivers as last week, which is no bueno. So um, you want to have Callaway out there. And it's actually funny because there's two parts of uh, Saints Twitter here where it's one part's like, hey, how desperate are we that we are throwing a party that Marquez Callaway's back? Like, legit party. I mean, I was on Twitter. I was like, let's go. Callaway's back. I mean, we got the hype trains going on Twitter. And then you got the other side that's like, no, like, you know, it is. it does sound desperate. But realistically, Callaway is a pretty good ball player. At least he's proven to be a pretty good ball player. And I actually would agree with that assessment because if we can recall, the Saints beat the Panthers with Marquez Callaway as wide receiver one and Deontay Harris as wide receiver two earlier this year. Pretty impressive to me. Just saying. Um, so that was something that I wanted to address, obviously. So if Callaway comes back, that will definitely help out. Um, because not only is he an improvement over Johnson, Lewis and Humphrey, the big thing that I learned about Callaway, and I think it speaks to how I, forget about talented cause he is talented, but I, I guess how good he is in terms of preparation. It took drew like three weeks in to be like, all right, I trust this kid. I'm throwing him the football. And Drew is one of those guys, and, and most veteran quarterbacks are, you need to earn their trust. And the way you earn their trust is by constant really good reps, consistently putting together really good reps, whether it's practice, preseason, regular season, you put them in. Happened with Kamara, happened with Thomas. And now, obviously, those guys were drafted and the Saints expected more. 
but they put in good reps in training camp, in preseason, and then in regular season, it paid off. So clearly behind closed doors, Callaway's putting in good reps constantly because the Saints have injured receivers, and Drew's like, yeah, I'll, I'll target this kid eight times, ten times, whatever it might be in that Carolina game, and he used him a lot. And Callaway um, also is pretty effective in the return game, which, let's be real, Tommy Lee Lewis isn't great at, and they don't have Deontay Harris in there till the playoffs, so that's obviously a big loss. So maybe Callaway can be used in the return game as well. It kind of is killing uh, two birds with one stone if you're the Saints. Now let's talk about the injury report because it, it's pretty loaded, and for the first time ever, I think the opposing team has more injuries than the Saints. Like, it, it is absurd looking at the Vikings injury report. Uh, it, it's just nuts, but let's talk about the Saints, and then I'll get to the Vikings in a second. So Traquan Smith hasn't practiced. My guess is he doesn't play. Andrews Pete did not practice Tuesday in a walkthrough. So it's kind of a, what I like to call a guesstimation here. Uh, and then he was a limited participant on Wednesday. Uh, my guess would be that Andrews Pete plays ankle injury. Nick Easton concussion didn't participate in either practice. He's not playing. And frankly, guys, we need to be really concerned about Nick Easton. This is his second concussion this year. He's now going to miss two games in a row for this one. Um, this is not a joke. Uh, concussions are very serious, obviously. The fact that he's got two this season, pretty discouraging. Uh, I just hope he's okay. Long-term health, that's the priority here. Um, but we'll see what happens with him. But he, he's not playing Friday. Let's just call it what it is. Marcus Williams did not practice either. Ankle injury, he's not playing either. Um, this Marcus Williams situation is very interesting. My guess is he doesn't, definitely doesn't play this week. Does he play next Sunday? I don't know. I think if he's almost ready to play, you can kind of sit him out. Marcus has been with this team for four years now, so you have to trust Marcus that, hey, we're going to give you next week off as well. But the playoffs are around the week after, and we need you because we're going to play, if you're the Saints, either the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, or the Rams, you're going to need, or the Seahawks, you're going to need Marcus Williams on the field. So you consider the next two games, and you play P.J. Williams and D.J. Swearinger at that role. Obviously, neither one's going to be as good. But you can give Marcus Williams that time off if you know it's going to pay dividends in the playoffs, which is what the Saints obviously want. Now, going through the rest of the injury report, limited participants for all th uh, the first two practice days. Call Granderson with a neck injury, Trey Hendrickson with a neck injury, and Malcolm Brown with that calf injury that's kept him out the last two games. All three guys are important. I'll talk about each one right now. So Trey Hendrickson tied for the lead in sacks, which apparently, guys, tied for the lead in sacks is not good enough to get you into the Pro Bowl. Just a newsflash for you. Um, but what gets you in the Pro Bowl is being Andrews Pete. That gets you in the Pro Bowl. You cannot lead the league in sacks, though. You lead the league in sacks, you don't get into the Pro Bowl. These are the rules. I don't make them. Also, Mitch Trubisky's made a Pro Bowl. Demario Davis has never made a Pro Bowl. Just fun fact for you right there as well. So, Hendrickson had a stinger, Nick Underhill said. The fact that he's limited, I would say he plays. He's a tough dude. The guy doesn't wear gloves. That's all I need to know about Trey Hendrickson. I think he plays on Friday. Carl Granderson, neck injury. This was weird because Granderson played the whole game. I almost wonder if these two got injured when they sandwiched Patrick Mahomes. Because they forced that fumble and the two of them collided. And I wonder if they both got injured. I know Hendrickson got injured on that play. I wonder if Granderson got injured on that play as well. Um, when they basically turned Patrick Mahomes into a sandwich. But who knows? Uh, we'll see. Hopefully he plays. Promising that he was limited both days. And Malcolm Brown. That's the big one. Malcolm Brown is the the unsung hero of the Saints run defense. Because uh, a lot of people will hit me up and like, hey, yo, this run defense is becoming a problem. It's not good. I think that's an overreaction. I think, one, the Saints played an Eagles team who legit threw out their playbook from weeks 1 through 13 and just put on a different team and a different playbook and ran different plays. And Jalen Hurts was running wild, and the Saints didn't know what to expect. And Quan Alexander missed his hole on a run with Miles Sanders, which resulted in 80-something yard, 82-yard touchdown or something like that. So that's context that you need. And then last week, 
People are like, oh man, Edwards Alaire ran well, Le'Veon Bell ran well. The Saints wanted the Chiefs to run the football. Their safeties were like 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. They were daring you to run the football because they're saying, please, Patrick Mahomes, do not kill us. And that is the sacrifice you're willing to make. You are not playing your safeties 15 yards off the ball against Kirk Cousins. This is not a knock on Kirk Cousins. This is a compliment to Patrick Mahomes, by the way. I'm not going to knock Kirk Cousins. He beat the Saints last year. Please, I'm not in the business. Um, I'm in no position here to make fun of Kirk Cousins. So this was basically them saying, run the football. We prefer you do that rather than pass it. Um, And obviously the Chiefs did both, but they actually had less than 300 passing yards, which is something that hasn't happened in like eight weeks for Mahomes. So it shows you that they kind of did what they wanted to do. They didn't get killed in the passing game. We're willing to give up stuff in the run game. Malcolm Brown, however, their best one technique defensive tackle, that guy is tough to deal with. He really mans the middle in terms of run defense, and if they can get him back for this game, that'd be huge because who you're playing against? Dalvin Cook, arguably the best running back in football this year. Cook's been amazing, and you're going to need to slow down Dalvin Cook, and obviously that's going to be one of the keys that I'll talk about towards the end of the podcast, but if you have Malcolm Brown in the middle, that is a big thing for the Saints defense. They need someone who can stop the run. Malcolm Brown can obviously do that. He gives you depth with Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata, Cam Jordan, Carl Granderson, Trey Hendrickson, and Marcus Davenport, one of the best D-line rotations in the league. But you need Brown in there. He's very unique. He's the type of guy who's going to do a lot of the dirty work. You're probably not going to give him the credit, albeit I'm giving him the credit right now. But a lot of people probably won't give him the credit that he rightfully deserves. But you'll see if he plays on Friday, you're going to see this run defense going to be a lot better than it's been the last couple of games. And it's not a coincidence. Obviously, it's strategic because you're playing a different team. But it also is because Malcolm Brown's in, on the field. That guy is a game changer in the run defense. Now, let's get to the Vikings because they have about like 16,000 names here. Half of them seem fake to me, like Hercules Matafa, or I don't even know if I said that right. And that's ironic, but uh, I, I really have no clue if I said his name right. But Hercules is limited. Uh, Jaleel Johnson, limited participant. We have Cameron Dantzler, uh, limited. That's a big one. I'm expecting him to play because he's limited, but he's been the best rookie corner since week seven, according to Pro Football Focus. So if Dantzler plays, that's big for the Vikings. He's been really good for them in their back end, which has been one of the worst secondaries of the last couple weeks, in my opinion. Not having Dantzler out there would be huge, but I'm going to expect that he plays. But let's talk about the guys who might not play, and there are a couple of big names here. Start with the main one, Eric Hendricks. He hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Because of a calf injury, he did not participate Tuesday. He did not participate Wednesday. If he doesn't dis, uh, participate tomorrow, you could chalk it up as he is out. And that would be huge because Eric Hendricks is a major pain in the ass. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. I tip my cap to Mr. Kendricks. But man, I would love if he doesn't play in this game. I hope he's okay long term. But I'd love if he doesn't play in this game because he really is such a unique linebacker. You can move him all over the field. He's good when it comes to his in, uh, pass coverage. He's good in the run defense. You get an interception from time to time. He's got great hands, great instincts. And I would love if he's not on the field because, man, I don't need Kamara locked up with Kendricks. I would like to see Kamara do his thing against someone not named Eric Kendricks. So if he misses time, that is huge. Kyle Rudolph did not participate on Tuesday or Wednesday. That's a big deal um, for two reasons. One, he's a really good red zone threat. He's no longer the guy he once was. But Rudolph is still a good red zone threat. He's a good guy to have on third down if you're the Vikings. The fact that he hasn't participated either day, my guess is that he doesn't play either. Obviously, we're going to find out Thursday. That will be the official tell on Christmas Eve. You're going to know, and hopefully your present is that neither Eric Kendricks or Kyle Rudolph plays because, one, Kendricks has been a major thorn in every team's side. This is not just the Saints. He's that good of a linebacker. That good. And by the way, the Saints could have drafted him, but no, they took Stephon Anthony. And I can't even joke about Stephon Anthony, by the way, guys, because I have a Stephon Anthony t-shirt somewhere buried in my drawer. But I have one, I promise you. 
it, it will not be coming out for an appearance anytime soon, but I'm telling you, I do have one. But yeah, Kendricks has been a thorn in their side, and I think I could speak for every Saints fan that uh, we fucking hate Kyle Rudolph. Um, we hate Kyle Rudolph for one reason. That damn push-off that wasn't called. Saints still deserve to lose. I will always hold that true. I think the statement is the Saints deserve to lose last year in the playoffs. But God damn, that was a fucking push-off. And it wasn't even called. And the funniest thing was you made the rule to, like, pacify the Saints. Then the rule comes in where it could actually benefit the Saints. And the NFL's like, eh, fuck them. And that's basically what happened. And then Kyle Rudolph gets to prance away. I mean, they got knocked out next round anyway. It didn't really matter. But I would like if Kyle Rudolph doesn't play. I don't care that it's Christmas. I don't need Rudolph all over the field. Get him out of here. The only Rudolph I'm going to watch is that cartoon. I do not want to see Kyle on the football field on Friday. Now, he's not the only one that could be missing. Troy Dye, rookie linebacker out of Oregon, concussion and hamstring, did not participate Tuesday or Wednesday. My guess is he doesn't play either, and that's actually a big one too. Um, not that Troy Dye's having a great rookie year. He actually hasn't been as good as they thought he would be um, in his rookie year, which is fine. It's, it's tough for everyone. I really can't judge. The Saints are having rookie struggles of their own, but Troy Dye is good depth for them. So put it this way. If Eric Kendricks doesn't play, and it seems like he doesn't play, and Troy Dye doesn't play, and it seems like he cannot play, right now at least, they're going to be without two of their starting linebackers. But wait, it gets worse. Todd Davis, one of their backup linebackers, he did not participate Tuesday or Wednesday, so he might not play. And if you thought I was done, Jalen Holmes, one of their starting defensive ends, because remember, uh, Daniil Hunter hasn't played this year because of an injury, and they traded uh, Ngak, was it Ngakwe got traded? I think he did to the Ravens. So he's not obviously on their roster either. And Jalen Holmes, one of their starting defensive ends, he has not practiced this week either. So they have all type of problems right now. Uh, and it's all on the defensive side of the football for the exception of Rudolph. And this is a defense right now that cannot afford to have issues on the defensive side of the football. And the reason I say that is if you guys don't know, and I don't blame you if you didn't watch last week, because frankly, I don't know what the hell I was doing watching this game. But the Vikings gave up 33 points to the Mitch Trubisky-led Bears. I'm going to say that again. The Vikings gave up 33 points to the Mitch Trubisky-led Bears. So if they don't have Holmes, a starting defensive end, they don't have Kendricks, a starting linebacker, they don't have Dye, another starting linebacker, they don't have Todd Davis, who is actually starting because of injuries, another linebacker they won't have. The Saints better put up 30-something, folks. I don't care who's playing at wide receiver. Like, these are big injuries to have. Um, and, and obviously, the Saints are depleted, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. Marcus Williams and Traquan Smith and Michael Thomas and Deontay Harris, all those guys not playing, and possibly either Hendrickson or Granderson or Brown, those guys not playing, that's a big deal, too. But the Saints are deep. They are deep. And the one thing about this team is, not only are they deep, they're balanced. So, some teams, you take away a strength, and you're like, I don't see how they're going to be able to compromise for that, and the Saints can do that. I don't know if the Vikings can do that. Um, now, the Vikings can run the football. They can throw it with their their duo of Thielen and Justin Jefferson, but, man, if Rudolph doesn't play, that's big, too. That takes out a component of your passing game. So there's a couple things to address. I'll, I will give you guys more updates on the Vikings and the Saints injury reports, obviously, when they're made available on Thursday. I will be one of the first ones to put it out there for you guys. But as of now, it kind of seems like Kendricks, Rudolph, Troy Dye, Jalen Holmes, Todd Davis, and Alexander Madison, backup running back for, for Dalvin Cook, who's an important piece if in the event that Cook goes down. Seems like they're not going to play, and that would be a big loss for the Vikings. Um, so we'll see what happens. Usually the drill is, and I tell you guys, a player against the Saints is hurt, finds a way to play that game, then misses the next week. And if you don't believe me, Tyreek Hill missed practice today, which is like the, the ultimate slap in the face. He was ready to play on Sunday, and all of a sudden his hammy's bothering him, and he might not play this weekend. 
Besides the point, the, the this is the one time where I'm not going to say you know the drill because I kind of think these guys are going to miss the game. But I'll, I'll have more on that on Thursday for you guys. Now, let's talk about this matchup. Saints defense, Vikings offense. Believe it or not, I kind of feel like this is where the game is going to be decided. I know I'd love to talk Sean Payton's offense versus Mike Zimmer's defense. Kind of don't want to talk about it. I will talk about it, obviously. But the, the thing that impresses me or the thing that I'm looking at, I should say, that's a better way of putting it, the Vikings offense versus the Saints defense is, for me, the more marquee matchup. And it all has to do with the talent level. And let's start with the receivers versus the DBs. You got Marshawn Lattimore and Adam Thielen against Mar- uh, Marshawn Lattimore and Adam Thielen. They had to clash, excuse me. And then you got Janoris Jenkins and Justin Jefferson. They'll probably clash. Um, and if you're a Saints fan, you do not want Marshawn Lattimore and Adam Thielen. Frankly, I would flip it and do Janoris on Thielen and Lattimore on Justin Jefferson because if I have to watch Thielen just burn Lattimore one more time, I'd be pretty sick to my stomach. This is not a knock on Lattimore, by the way. I think it's always fair to say that certain players are other players' kryptonites. It could be some type of twitch they have, some type of skill set that the other guy just doesn't account for because it doesn't fit with his strengths, and it can happen. It can absolutely happen. For example, Mike Evans cannot get open against Marshawn Lattimore. That is a fact. Now, here's the other fact. Marshawn Lattimore cannot cover Adam Thielen. I've seen it on Monday night. I've seen it on Sunday night. I've seen it in the Minnesota Miracle. I saw it last year in the playoffs. I don't know how many more times I have to see it. When you see it enough times, it's almost a fact. And this kind of seems like a fact. My eyes are telling me that Lattimore can't cover him. Now, Lattimore, and I know this as a fact, and this continues with a fact over here, Lattimore respects the hell out of Justin Jefferson. Now, I, I'm not worried about Lattimore in terms of they're on Friday, uh, on Christmas Day, on a Friday. Everyone's going to be watching. The motivation's there. And Lattimore, by the way, played exceptional against the Chiefs. I've got to tip my cap. He was fantastic against Tyreek Hill, against Sammy Watkins, against Travis Kelsey. Did it matter to the matchup? He stepped up to the call. Can he do the same? I think the thing is you put him on Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson has been marvelous this year. Uh, he has been one of the, if not the best rookie in the NFL um, he already has 1,182 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. Kid's phenomenal. Obviously, you guys know him very well. You're all LSU, LSU fans for the most part. So you guys know that that Justin Jefferson's a beast. Lattimore on Jefferson would be the matchup for me. Thielen and Janoris locking up would be great, in my opinion. But that's where it really comes down to. And then Dalvin Cook. I'm going to save Dalvin Cook for later because he's that important to me in terms of talking about where he fits in the grand scheme of this game. But, man, Lattimore and Janoris. Versus Thielen and Justin Jefferson, that you that is like pay-per-view quality stuff. That That is a great two-on-two. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But a lot of the game could be decided between those matchups. That is big time for me. So looking forward to that one. Now I'm going to flip over. Let's talk about the other sides of the ball. Saints offense versus the Vikings defense. One thing that the Saints-Vikings um, that we saw at least last year that really concerned me is the Vikings just really said, hey, the interior of the Saints offensive line is not good. So this is what we're going to target. We're going to target Andrews Pete. We're going to target Larry Warford. And sorry, Drew Brees, you're going to have no time to throw. And it worked. Absolutely worked. Now, Drew Brees didn't play well in that game. And Sean Payton's offense was just terrible outside of Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill was great in that wild card game. But there's a problem there that the interior can get exploited. Now, the Vikings are so depleted defensively that the hope is because of that, they don't have the guys that can actually expose those issues for the Saints. But that is something I want to see. What do the Saints do? It was a lot of stunts. It was a lot of dragging your defensive ends on the outside into the interior on a stunt and throwing those guards basically off. Like, you're throwing those guards off with those stunts. And you can do that again if you're the Vikings, if you have the personnel. I don't know if they will. We'll see on the injury report if they do. But it's something to look at. And with the way the Saints offense was on Sunday against the Chiefs, as bad as they were, 
they showed that when they are clicking, and it could be one drive, it could be two drives, it could just be three drives, and it really was only three drives that they look good. When they look good, they are scoring touchdowns. It's not field goals. They are getting in the end zone. Uh, you saw it with Murray. You saw it with that Taysom Hill. You saw it with the little Jordan Humphrey play. You saw it with the Kamara little shovel pass. They had some good drives. Can you do that on a more sustained level? And can you not get your to your defense on the field constantly? The defense on the field 42 minutes on Sunday. Can you turn that around? Can you hold the ball for 30-something minutes and let your defense get some damn Gatorade because that did not happen last week? So that's important. Do not get off the field early. Make sure you take advantage. This Minnesota defense is not good, and a lot of it is because they don't have the personnel this year. It has nothing to do with Mike Zimmer not being able to run a good defense anymore. That is not it. They don't have the personnel. They don't have Trey Waynes. They don't have Xavier Rhodes. They don't have Daniel Hunter. They don't have Unique. They don't have Eric Kendricks possibly for this game. Anthony Barr has been out for the year. They are missing so many big names. I just mentioned about 10 big names for this defense that they're missing. Saints have to take advantage. And especially if Callaway's back because you have Callaway, you have Sanders, you have Jared Cook, you have Troutman, you have Kamara, you have Murray. And that's probably who I'm going to name. I'm not naming, I'm not going to consider Lewis or Humphrey or uh, Juwan Johnson as a big part of the game plan because frankly, if they're a big part of the game plan, we're in trouble. That should never happen. So I think the Saints offense still needs to find a way to put up production because like I said before, guys, the Mitch Trubisky-led Bears put up 33 points. So the Saints better put up 30-something points. I'm being serious right now. If you're not going to put up 30-something points, it better be because you got off to a big start and you're just like playing conservative and running the football and you don't have to worry about the scoreboard because you got this in the bag. But if not, you better score 30-plus points because Mitch Trubisky put up 30-plus points and I think Mitch Trubisky is one of the worst quarterbacks in the world. So I would like to see a good outing from the Saints offense. So let's get three keys to victory here. I think they're pretty important. Um, Obviously, heck, why they're my keys. But let's talk about the first one and this is probably the key for this one. Stop Dalvin Cook. You're never really going to stop him, so I really should... You know what? You can stop him. I'm going to say you can't shut him down. I feel like there's a difference there. And Dalvin Cook's been amazing this year. He has been just one of the best in the NFL. If you make a very strong argument, he is the best in the NFL. He's got over 1,400 rushing yards. He literally is 16 rushing yards away from 1,500. He's been that good. He's got 15 touchdowns. He's got 349 receiving yards. Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara got paid. Everyone on Twitter got their panties in a twist and said, you should not do this. You should not pay running backs. And these running backs said, hey, watch me dance. And they did it. And they've been great. Um, Dalvin Cook was pretty good in that Vikings-Saints playoff game. Kind of set the tone. And the one thing I noticed from the Vikings in that game, which was really big, even though when the Saints were stopping Dalvin Cook, they were like, we're not getting off this run game. Come hell or high water, we are not going to abandon the run. A lot of teams can do that. The Vikings don't do that, and that's because of their Gary Kubiak mindset where Kubiak is all about running the football, all about running the football with his zone schemes and zone blocking, and he's got good ways of getting Cook out in space. And he's going to try and do that on Friday. almost said Sunday, but on Friday. And we're going to see what happens. Can the Saints defense stop Dalvin Cook? Interestingly enough, we saw last year the Saints were kind of missing a little bit more speed at linebacker because it was DeMario Davis with a bunch of eh, kind of linebackers. C plus, C minus type linebackers. Now you got Quan Alexander. You got the speed. Put it to the test. Let's see what they do against Dalvin Cook. That's a big key for me. Can they contain Dalvin Cook? Can you limit him to 80 rushing yards and a touchdown? Can you do that? That's still a lot. That's still good. But like if, if that's what Dalvin Cook gets, you're in good shape. But even when they lose games, he plays well. It's when they win that he just puts these disgusting numbers up though. And what I mean by that is against the Lions, 206 rushing yards. Against the Packers, 163 rushing yards. That's disgusting. 
That If that happens, we have a problem on Friday. We have a big problem, guys, if that happens. But even in the losses against the Bears, 130 rushing yards. Against the Bucks, 102 rushing yards. Against the Cowboys, 115 rushing yards. This guy puts up 100 rushing yards. every. He had 181 in a loss to the Titans. So, like, man, he's going to put up his numbers. But if you can limit him to 100 yards or less, the Saints will be in a really good spot. That's all I'm saying. That's important. So we'll see if they can do that. Now, the second key, put Kirk Cousins on his ass. I can't tell you how, that imp- how important that is. If the Saints defensive line plays the way it played against the Chiefs, against the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is going to have a long day, and we're going to be the ones sitting there at a TV going, you like that? No, but, but seriously, like if we get Kirk Cousins on his ass, we're going to be the ones saying that to him. And this is important because the Saints defensive line, it's never been a talent issue. It's never been a production issue. It's consistency issue. They didn't show up against the Eagles, and then they decided that they're going to make Patrick Mahomes' day on Sunday a nightmare, and yet Mahomes was like, all right, it doesn't really matter. I'm still going to do my thing. But if you do that against Kirk Cousins, he will have a bad game. He will have turnover-prone throws. The Saints will have to capitalize on that. But that intensity needs to be there. Cam Jordan, I'm going to single out Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan got ejected on Sunday against the Chiefs. You could say it was intentional, unintentional. I don't care. And I said Cam's apology was genuine, and I actually think he what he said, he meant it, and I'm not here for the, the bullshit because I don't think he was lying to fans. But Cam's got to step up. Cam needs to step up. Hendrickson's doing the heavy lifting. Onyemata's doing the heavy lifting. Cam's not having a bad season. He's having a bad season by his standards. There's a difference. Still having a good year. But Cam's got to show up because Cam ran his mouth last year before the Vikings playoff game and cracked the Kirk Cousins jokes, and Kirk Cousins got the last laugh. Kirk Cousins, who looks like one of those vineyard vines I'm from a fraternity douche, literally made the throw of the game to beat the Saints. And I'm sick to my stomach. And I imagine the defense should be sick to their stomach that that happened back in January, and that, that should be a type of thing where Cam comes into this game and he dominates. And it's not easy. I bet it's not easy. He's been getting held. He's been facing double teams. He's came off a of surgery, so he doesn't have that explosiveness to him. Cam Jordan better play well. That's all I'm saying. Cam Jordan better put Kirk Cousins on his ass at least two times. I'll take two times. Just two times. Don't even. I'm not going to say at least just two times. Put him on his ass. Get Kirk Cousins down. That's a big key for me. And number three, this is very important. The Vikings are probably missing their linebackers. I made that very clear in the injury report updates utilize the hell out of Alvin Kamara. I don't want to see screen passes to Tommy Lee Lewis. I don't want to see rub routes so Humphrey can get open. I don't want to see a double move for Juwan Johnson. Get the ball to Alvin Kamara. He hasn't been doing much over the last couple weeks because he's not getting enough touches. And the Chiefs, and this was a great piece by Nick Underhill, he showed why it didn't happen against the Chiefs. The Chiefs had the luxury of like, all right, Thomas is out, Deontay's out, Traquan's out. We're going to focus on Alvin Kamara. And they were aggressive. They were chipping him. They were double teaming. Frank Clark was getting out of his stance to go rush and try and level him on a, on a you know a bubble pass or a screen pass, whatever it might be. Swing him out right. Frank Clark was there. Swing him out left. Alex Okafor was there. The Chiefs were excellent in that department in defending Alvin Kamara. I don't think they're going to be able to do it on Friday if they don't have the right personnel. You can you can't tell a third string or fourth string linebacker. Yeah, I'm going to need you to cover Alvin Kamara. It's not going to happen. It's not. The first team guys struggle with it. Why would the fourth team guy handle it? That would make no sense. So, for me, utilize Kamara. I think he'll have a good game. I think he will. Um, and remember, Kamara's the guy who said F Minnesota. So, you talk the talk. You better walk the walk. I think Alvin Kamara will walk the walk on Friday against the Vikings. Now, 
As for a little prediction, not going to get too much into it. Obviously, we've done about 35, 40 minutes of talking about Saints-Vikings already, so I don't want to keep you guys for too much longer because you probably on Christmas Eve have much better things to do than listen to me. But the Saints lost two games in a row. Everyone's going to talk about the Vikings and the playoff history, and rightfully so, yada, yada. But the buck stops here, folks. Literally, Joe Buck is on the on the call for Fox. No, I'm not trying to play here. But seriously, the Saints are going to win this game. Uh, I think the Saints understand they're playing the long game here. They know it's about the playoffs, hence why Deontay's on IR, hence why Michael Thomas is on IR, why the Saints brought out Drew Brees, because it's not about the number one seed at this point. It's getting Drew in rhythm, and it's trying to get the rest of the team healthy for the playoffs. This way, they're ready to rock, and the fourth year is the charm. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But it comes down to a lot of simple things here. The Vikings are hurt. The Saints need this game more. And I think, if I'm right, and I'm doing the math here, this is the year where the Saints win against the Vikings. The Saints lost in 2017, beat them in 2018, lost in 2019, 2020. It's an even year. Saints are winning this game. I think Drew Brees is going to be highly motivated to have a better game after what he saw against the Chiefs. And, and not only highly motivated, I think he's actually going to be healthier. The fact that he's not on the injury report means that he's feeling good after the game, and that's really encouraging. So more timing with his receivers in practice, you're going to get Callaway back, at least it seems like that. The Vikings are going to be missing Eric Kendricks probably, and that's a big loss, so we'll see if the Saints can exploit that loss for the Vikings. And this is big for the Saints. You can avenge last year's loss and, in the process, eliminate the Vikings from playoff contention. That is double jeopardy. So what is a Saints win? That's the final answer. Saints are going to win this game, I believe, 30-20. to 20. Um, and it really is going to be interesting to see how this defense plays. They played great against the Chiefs. They need to have that same type of energy, and if they do, they will be able to handle this offense. They just handled Mahomes pretty well. You will be able to fare well against Kirk Cousins if the intensity is out there, and after losing against the play to the Vikings in the playoffs, they better be highly motiva- motivated. That's all I'm saying, and if they lose this game, obviously people are going to say the sky is falling. I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way, but this is important because the Saints can lock in, at the very worst, the three seed. A win against the Vikings locks in, at the worst-case scenario, the three-seed, which means you play at least one home playoff game. Obviously, if you get the two-seed, that's great because you're going to play at least two home playoff games if you win your matchup. But obviously, the Saints can control only what they can control. I don't think they're getting the one-seed. If you're going to ask me about it, I'm probably not going to respond because it's not going to happen. But I think the Saints will beat the Vikings. So it would be a little nice gift for all of us. If that happens, but without further ado, that's going to do it for this edition of the straight up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys as always for listening to the show. Um, if you celebrate on Christmas, I hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas. Um, obviously it's a little different difficult this year with COVID going on. Uh, people aren't allowed to have large gatherings to their families, but I hope you guys are having a great day. Nonetheless, on Friday, um, I will be back before the new year. So you don't have to worry about that. And for people asking about sports overtime, straight up Saints, if it's going to affect it, it will not. I'm still going to be doing this as well. You're going to be hearing a lot from me starting January. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. I hope you guys have a great Christmas on Friday. Hopefully it includes a Saints win over the Vikings, but only time with all if that happens. But enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your Christmas Eve. Enjoy your Christmas Day. And I will be back on Christmas night, hopefully happy that the Saints beat the Vikings. But we'll find that out in a couple of days. Thanks again, guys. Stay tuned for more content here on the Straight Up Saints podcast.